The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey Rockheads, spring sideways and fall down. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 536 with guests Christian Beyer and Ingo Rammer, recorded live Tuesday, March 2nd, 2010. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Grape City Data Dynamics. Makers of ActiveReports.net, simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now... The man whose mercury levels required him to give up fish for Lent. Carl Franklin. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. Richard will be here in just a minute. Hey, did you hear this one? A SQL query walks into a bar, goes up to two tables and asks, Hey, can I join you? But I'm bum and just a reminder that Richard and I are going to be at the launch event, Dev Connections, in, uh, in Las Vegas, April 12th. And then we're heading out to the road trip. And if you want to get 50 bucks off the launch price, the price of the ticket, go to uh, devconnections.com, sign up with the coupon DNR. You'll get 50 bucks off. And then uh, after that, we're heading out to the road trip. That's right. We're going to 15 cities in 30 days, just like we did in 2005. You can read all about it at dotnetrocks.com slash roadtrip. Richard, well, I'm very excited to uh, introduce Ingo and Christian. We've been trying to put this show together for quite a while, and just their schedules, us being busy people we are. Um, uh, let me introduce Christian Weyer and Ingo Rammer. Christian is co-founder of Think Texture, a company providing in-depth technical consulting and training services for software architects and developers. Christian has been focusing on the ideas and concepts of service orientation and their practical translation in customer projects in the past few years with Windows Communication Foundation, Windows Workflow Foundation, and on the end-to-end aspects of application architecture, design, and implementation. Uh, this obviously includes client technologies like the iPhone platform. Christian was selected as one of the Microsoft MVPs for Connected Systems and as an independent Microsoft Regional Director for Germany. Get in touch with him at christian.weyer, that's W-E-Y-E-R, at thinktexture.com. Ingo Rammer is also co-founder of ThinkTexture. Ingo focuses mainly on improving performance, scalability, and reliability of critical .NET applications. After years of working on the middle tier, he has also recently revived his love of client technologies and currently digs deep into Silverlight and WPF. You can reach him at ingo.rammer, R-A-M-M-E-R, at thinktexture.com. Welcome, guys. Hi, Carl. Oh, thanks. Welcome. And I should say welcome back to Ingo. You were on one of the very first shows that we did, actually talking about uh, remoting, if I recall. That's true. That's true. I think this was quite a while ago in, in New Orleans, right? Yeah, it was 
I caught you at a Dev Connections conference in the hallway somewhere. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I definitely remember this one. Yeah. What is that? Remoting? Remoting, yeah. What is this strange like, technology? What is that? I don't remember. Well, guys, when I think of iPhones, I don't think of WCF. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Why, what's, uh, what's the disconnect there? What's the well, connection? You have been asking about iPhone and WCF? Yes. What's the connection? Well, there is a... Well, that's actually a pretty damn good question. I didn't expect that uh, question as the first question, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's my job, Christian. There is a connection, and there is a very important connection. I see the iPhone uh, with a very big potential, right? A very big potential for consumer and consumer applications, as well as for business applications, enterprise applications. And when talking about using the iPhone for building and running uh, enterprise-based applications, I look at the iPhone as a service-based front-end tool, right? So usually inside of the enterprise, you have a bunch of services where you get your data from, where you send data to, and the iPhone, as other emerging mobile platforms, is uh, one perfect means just to to build client applications that are leveraging uh, the available data through available services. So you could call it uh, some kind of a smart mesh-up device. So um, when we're talking about iPhone communication, are you talking mostly raw sockets, or does it actually have an HTTP stack? Well, the iPhone itself, has an HTTP stack, but of course you can also do raw sockets, yes. Well, actually, I think it, it also depends on, on the programming environment you look at, because if you look at the iPhone today, most developers would immediately think about using Xcode, about using the original Apple SDK. However, today you have uh, actually quite a number of alternatives. So one, and, and in the .NET community, the most popular alternative is Mono which is uh, owned by or created by Novell. And Mono is essentially, uh, Mono Touch, which is based on Mono, of course. And Mono Touch is essentially a managed code environment for, for developing iPhone applications. And in this case, we're talking about ad web reference uh, style of, of developing. So it's very different from the Xcode way. In the Xcode way, we're talking about l rather low-level HTTP requests manual XML parsing, etc., etc. Do you see that most iPhone applications are written with a combination of these? Or is there a best practice for communications? Well, I, I think today most iPhone applications, and this might well be 99% of all applications, are written in Xcode just because it is the iPhone development environment. So uh, if you're looking at, at Mono, Mono is basically just an emerging platform. I think as of today, Mono is still in beta. Am I, am I correct here, Christian? No, no. Okay, um, please. Okay. And so we've been working too long with Mono, with uh, Mono Touch. I'm always referring to, to Mono Touch here, of course. And, uh, but Xcode is the official environment. The Xcode gives you access to all the APIs. There's, there's everything which is public can be accessed using Xcode. Yeah, so. Maybe we should start uh, the discussion not by focusing too much on the communication aspect, but rather talking a little bit about um, how to how to well how to design and develop applications for the iPhone and how to st how to do it uh, well in the native environment. What are the problems or the gotchas in the native environment, and then maybe switch over to the more .NET and C# -sharp based development. Sure. So maybe Ingo uh, can give us some ideas about the native development environment. You already talked about the Xcode stuff, and maybe you can give a brief overview and your sentiments about the native development stack and tooling for the iPhone. So, so Christian is taking over the lead here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, okay. The uh, so on the on the native side, we have uh, Xcode, which is which is an, uh, a development environment for uh, Objective C, which is uh, a, a rather well rather dated language. It, it has about a, a very comparable age to C plus plus, but it looks very very different from the syntax. 
it was it's a diff- it, it has the same or similar roots on the C side, just like C++, but it evolves in a very different way. Now, if you look at it uh, as, a, as an Apple uh, macOS 10 developer, as, as of today, you have a rather well common common environment like. Uh, you have a garbage collected environment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, if you use this environment to develop for the iPhone, you don't get any kind of the garbage collection services, for example. So you, you're getting a, a, a development environment which looks and feels pretty much like uh, the 1990s on the Windows platform, which is realistically quite a bit painful. And uh, add to this that you have that the development tools, let's say, for example, the interface designer are not fully integrated into the, the, the code environment, etc. So you have to do real round-trip development going from the interface design to a header file, which is then imported back into the, into the IDE, etc., etc. So it's, it's quite interesting to have an, an experience like this in the year 2010. And we should also mention that uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're using Objective C or Xcode, you're you're on an Apple, right? You you have to develop on a Mac. Yeah, well, let's let's put it this way: legally, you have to develop on a Mac. Uh, technically, you have to develop on Mac OS 10, which you could use on on an Intel PC as well. There are projects like Hackintosh.com, <laughs> which allow you to port and to run Mac OS 10 on, let's say, a virtual machine on your PC. Oh, okay. Which, of well, course, we, we have never tried because it would be heavily illegal, of course. Of, of course. course. We never tried it, of course. Of course. So we can't give any guidance as to whether it works or not? or Not at all, not at all. Of course, I bought, an, I bought a nice 13-inch MacBook, yeah. and, I, and just like Christian, so we both did. And actually, that's pretty nice hardware. It has a Very nice battery. Hardware. It is. It really is. It's just that, you know, for Windows, I still prefer my to use my ThinkPads. So somehow right. the 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 uh, MacBook Pro ends up uh, being only used for Mac development. But well, that's the way it is. Sure. So one of the nice aspects of uh, developing for the iPhone on the Mac is that all the tools and all the compilers uh, are completely free. So when you get your Mac or when we got our MacBook, you you have a DVD and on there is just uh, the Xcode environment, and you can also download the SDKs, and then you can actually start building your apps. So it's completely free. Yeah, that's that, that's actually pretty cool. It's just like imagine you you get your uh, Windows Seven, and you'll have a, every single copy of Windows Seven will have Visual Studio 2010 on the same disk. So I imagine that your your uh, communications development for the iPhone, you have your whatever stack you have on the iPhone, and it's communicating with WCF services. Is that right? Right. And do, is there anything special that you have to do, you know, let's say if you're using raw sockets, anything that you have to do differently on the client side because it's a WCF service on the on the other side? Well, if you look at it from the native point of view, and I'm, I'm just leaving the, the, the monotouch point of view to, to Christian later on, but okay. in, in the native world, what you quite likely would end up doing is to just address the WCF service as a REST service. Okay. And you just invoke an uh, HTTP connection. So you don't, do, you don't really have to program at the socket level. It's just, it's one bit above the socket level. So you get HTTP requests right. or something similar mm-hmm. to HTTP requests. And you just parse the XML, which is returned from this and do whatever is necessary. So you don't really know okay, the well, other end. Is. There's that loaded phrase you just said, you just parse the XML. <laughs> <laughs> and then a miracle happens. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is, Christian and I, when we looked at the iPhone, we basically we said, independently of each other, both of us figured that we'd, we'd just like to, to extend our reach towards the, the iPhone, to develop for the iPhone. Mm. And then we, we sat together, ordered our Mac hardware, and we had to decide who is going to do uh, Objective-C, who is going to do Mono, mono Touch. And I, unfortunately, I was the one who ended up doing Objective-C. Now, it turns out that you are totally right. If you do it on the Objective-C kind of, of world, what you end up doing is you're doing web request parsing just like you would have done in, let's say, JavaScript in your browser or in uh, uh, Visual Basic before .NET came along. Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, man. And this means, because Ingo already hinted at it just in a by-sentence, um, 
that most likely it would make sense if your services, WCF or Java Web Services, it doesn't matter, would be available uh, through a more restish interface and not through a soapy and operations based <laughs> interface, right? So restish more like soapy. going away <laughs> from the WS star world more to the rest world because um, accessing rest based services from mobile platforms like uh, the iPhone is way easier than having to compete and to, to fight uh, the WS star war again. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and plus it, it, it tends to be lighter too, right? There's, yes. I, I gotta think you're still, even though 3G and 4G networks are out there, you're still somewhat bandwidth constrained here. Yes. Oh, and totally. just, uh, start thinking about, um, adding more and more specifications and protocols from the WSR family, like WS security and the whole encryption right. and signature stuff. It would just blow your, your data line, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I think verbose is the politest way to. Yeah. Well, I mean, at, and at the end of the day, if if you're looking at even just at, at people like us who are traveling a lot, then even if you have the the flat rate data plan for your home country, as soon as you go abroad, you're you're paying by the by the kilobyte at the end yeah. of the day. So you have to try to reduce the amount of data to a, to a reasonable, uh, manageable uh, packet size. And it's important to say that again. By the kilobyte, not the megabyte, mm. oh, not no, the no, gigabyte, you know the, the kilobyte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, I've, I've just checked out the price list of T-Mobile just, just a few weeks ago, and the price is done in 100K blocks. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, huh. this is year 20, uh, 2010. It's like, whatever. <laughs> well, I know Carl's encountered this. I think the Canadian default is five cents a kilobyte. Okay. So, yeah, right. I've had sneezes that cost me $100. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, this can only get better, and I think it will get better in, in the next few years. Uh, can you use HTTPS? Can we at least encrypt the stream? Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, and it, does the iPhone have the horsepower for this? Because it's, you know, a little restricted. Oh, well, actually, you know, HTTPS is not as bad as, as uh, most people would think, because Fortunately, only the, the initial key exchange is done using asymmetric crypto. Everything else within the, within a certain time frame is then uh, done using symmetric crypto. Right. And mm. symmetric crypto can be done in real time by, by nearly any device. So fortunately, yeah, it's also not a by problem the at all. Yeah, it's not a problem at all. Yeah, this is, this is sort of a non-issue. Now, have we really gotten into describing the app you guys were building here? Like, obviously, this was a project. But it sounds very business-like, and most iPhone apps seem to be involving farting. Yeah, well, we we don't do, let's say, the, the design of an application, for example, uh, as in the graphics design, because we are we are so far from from being graphics designers, right? Uh, as can be, like I think a lot of developers are. Now, our our clients are mainly in the enterprise segment, or we also have some clients who have uh, iPhone applications in public that is uh, which are actually quite popular here in germany we have one which is uh, uh doing a big financial kind of application as in uh, stock information uh, etc for for various banks and they are they have uh, created an iphone application great and so these are business type apps they're relatively serious and and you and you've got the sort of ui end on the iphone and then it's mostly the web services are doing the heavy lifting exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, most, if not all of the, well, of the service logic, of the workflow logic, of the business logic is encapsulated in services, in one or several services. And the iPhone is just gathering uh, the data from these um, services um, after having authenticated, maybe after having presented authorization um, data, and then just uses the data locally on the device in order to display some lists some charts, you name it. Okay. I mean, if you, if you think about it, Microsoft has been pushing software and services as a concept for about two or three years now. There you go, and, yeah. And I think the iPhone is the prime example of what software plus service means. If right. you just look at, yeah. let's say, the, the uh, a Google feed reader applications running on the iPhone or, or at Facebook, the Facebook app, the Twitter applications running on the iPhone, that's always, these are always apps which are uh, somehow connected to the internet. The only the, or the main uh, exception from this is are all the games, of course. 
Right. But they, the code on the client then is really just display. There's not, you know, not much there. I would I would not really agree with that uh, because it depends, of course, of the scenario your application has to fulfill. But there also needs to be some logic, maybe not really business logic, but let's call it um, application framework and infrastructure logic, right? So um, things like um, maintaining state, like caching data, like persisting data locally, like uh, remembering in which state your application was when a when a phone call came in or when the user hit the home button and stuff like that. So, of course, you still have to do some heavy coding, but the actual business logic and the actual data sources are usually not on the iPhone, but they are, well, buried behind some services. But there's really no mind to an offline version of a client, right? If you're not connected, the app doesn't work. Well, it depends on how you design and implement your application. Right. For example, our uh, sample business application that we have been building and which Ingo and I did a shootout in the first place where he was trying to build a simple client with Objective-C and I was trying to build a simple client uh, with the iPhone and Monotouch and C-Sharp. Um, it now has offline capabilities, so that means... When you are not connected and the iPhone has APIs for that, so you get notified whether you are uh, in flight mode or not, whether you are on a network or not. So um, if the app knows that it's not online, it can decide to uh, to grab a local copy from the local database uh, on the iPhone. Cool. So I, have we worked our way through the sort of Objective-C approach to developing here that it, you, you know, you're working in very much that sort of dynamic space. It's pretty right align, run align, that kind of thing. Well, it's, it's, so the Objective C part is something which I've, it's, I've looked about at, at the beginning, but at, at some point decided that actually we as a company, we are going to move more towards the managed code world, more towards uh, right. monotouch. Just because if you're used to C sharp, the productivity loss you're getting from switching to Objective C is, is, it's not just, it's not just a small factor, but we're talking about an order of magnitude or something. Right. And hey, guys, I can already hear the flaming wars out there. Yeah. I had I had some very nice um, bar conversations at PDC09 in LA, and the hardcore iPhone Objective-C guys, they were really yelling at me uh, for using and for supporting Monotouch and for supporting uh, Miguel and his crew. And he said, oh, that's not the way to do on the iPhone and blah, 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 blah. And I was just arguing the exact same way as Ingo did because it's really, really a matter of having a set of tools and a means to do things in a good quality in a short amount of time. And if we can have a guy like Ingo, a very bright guy like Ingo and saying, okay, after several weeks of trying to get um, around the ideas and the productivity um, of Xcode and Objective-C and then saying, okay, no, I'm not going that way. I'm rather going the C-sharp and .NET and Monotouch way. Well, this really tells us a story. And those guys out there should really try to think and try to play around with uh, the other approach and not just the Objective-C and the and the native approach in my eyes. I think it also depends where you're coming from, right? So we are PC guys. I've written PC applications for something like 15 years or so. So, so yeah, of course, I'm more inclined uh, towards the PC way of doing things. If you would be an, an, a macOS 10 developer, then yes, you should go the Xcode way, quite, quite obviously, because that's what you know. And if these guys would have to switch over to the C-sharp world, they would have the, the productivity loss of right. the order of magnitude. So this is more about the fact that you guys are already very skilled C-sharp developers. I, I just worry that the Monotouch is just a wrapper over top of, of Xcode and Cocoa Touch. And so you're, just, you're jumping through some crazy hoops in C-sharp to make that code work. Well, actually, no. Actually, it's not. Well, so Monotouch is based on Mono. Mono is Novel's implementation, open source implementation of the .NET framework, as we all know, right? Yep. So that's the base of all. So what Monotouch now gives us is Mono 
or a subset of Mono for the iPhone. So that means we have a CocoaTouch.net. So yes, these are wrappers or so-called bindings of the native CocoaTouch libraries and uh, and API for C Sharp. And we have also um, a set of .NET framework assemblies. So that means that C-sharp developers on the iPhone can have things like generics. They can have things like link. They can have things like uh, link to XML and all these nice things. So it's not just a an awkward wrapper around the existing native stuff. Of course, they also need wrappers, but they have done a quite amazing job of providing a very natural API and programming environment for uh, C-sharp developers. So it does feel normal, but no matter what, you're invariably going to jump into these, accessing these classes that are specific to the iPhone, uh, it, right? Yes, yes. So yep. um, the first thing that you have to learn when developing for the iPhone, whether it's uh, with Objective-C and Xcode or whether it's MonoTouch and MonoDevelop, the IDE and C-Sharp, is a certain set of patterns. Because the whole, uh, the whole Cocoa Touch framework is built on a certain set of patterns. And one of the most popular and prominent, uh, patterns is MVC, the model view controller pattern, right? Um, and you will see this throughout, um, the whole framework, the whole Cocoa Touch libraries. Okay. And that, uh, that of course and obviously means uh, that also MonoTouch has to expose this base pattern and also all the classes that implement this pattern, like uh, the view controllers, the table view controllers, the navigation uh, view controllers, and so on and so forth. So yes, you have to deal with very iPhone or Cocoa and Cocoa Touch specific um, APIs and classes, but you also have a rich set of APIs and assemblies in your hands, which you already know from your uh, uh, from your many years of .NET framework and right. C# Sharp development on the desktop and on the server. Uh, what about the actually like compiling and testing? Do you need to have an iPhone to do in all the testing? Well, for, for in both cases, for the MonoTouch case and for the uh, obviously for the Objective C case, you can use the iPhone emulator. You don't really have to run it on an iPhone, and of course, in reality, you will want to run it on the iPhone as soon as possible because I don't know if you know uh, anything about the iPhone platform and how it how it uh, protects the operating system from uh, badly written applications. But on the iPhone, for example, the operating system determines. Uh, whether or not your application is still behaving okay, and right. if you're not behaving okay, I'm killing you. Right? If you take too much memory, I'll send you one ping. This ping says, "Oh, I'm putting putting memory pressure on you. Please yeah. uh, uh, release all the memory you don't need. If you don't do it, I'll terminate you." Wow. So, oh yeah, yeah, but that's 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 okay. That's how you get a, a, a stable operating system on a phone. It's now, very Jobsian. Excuse me. <laughs> If you don't do what I say, uh, I <laughs> will terminate you. You will die. Yeah, absolutely. You will now, die. The interesting, you will die. The, the interesting thing is, now, there's always the, the good and the bad part, of course. The, uh, now, I've been using Windows uh, mobile phones for years, literally years. Uh, I, I bought the first mobile phones when they came out, and I bought a mobile phone ever since. And I'm using a, a I, I, well, I'm owning a mobile phone in parallel to the iPhone. I have to admit that I, as a user, I switched mostly to the iPhone. And right. one of the reasons is, uh, is that the operating system ensures that I can continue to use the phone. Now, on the Windows mobile phone, when I install different applications, they have, uh, uh, the quality varies widely. And some of them, uh, let's say if you just run into an infinite loop on Windows mobile, What's going to happen is you won't be able to use your phone to, right. to take a call or something like this. And the iPhone OS says, well, you know what? This is a phone first and a computer second. So we'll ensure that you'll always be able to use it as a phone. And if, it, mm. if this means I have to kill the app, I'll kill the app. Right. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the Web UI Test Studio for Silverlight UI testing. If you've already started developing with Silverlight, you'll soon need a solid testing tool for Silverlight UI. Unfortunately, there's no good way to simulate the actual behavior of end users unless you spend days and weeks doing manual testing. 
But things have changed. The guys at Telerik just introduced the first point-and-click UI testing tool for Silverlight. Web UI Test Studio. Check it out. You can quickly record tests with the cross-browser recorder and enrich them with code if you have more complex scenarios. On top of that, it supports standard controls and Telerik controls. You can verify not only Silverlight, but also complex AJAX applications. And the best part, WebUI Test Studio lives in Visual Studio, so you don't have to leave your favorite development environment. Check it out at Telerik.com slash web-testing-tools. And hey, don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash Telerik. And we've, we've talked a little bit about how the iPhone works before on the show, but um, isn't it true that when you just switch from app to app, those apps sort of serialize themselves and go away? And then, uh, in other words, it's not really a multitasking phone. Right, right, exactly. It's just, just like I think the, the current plans for, uh, for the Windows phone are. So it's a single-tasking phone, uh, and your phone gets a certain time slice. It right. basically, it's, it's, it's defined in, in the area of, of a few seconds to, uh, after the, the user presses the home button. And if the application doesn't, doesn't clean up within this time frame, they will again be terminated. That's kind of uh, one of the main ideas. Uh, the, all the iPhone development um, guides and the API guides tell you, they, they always say, well, you have to do this and you have to do it quickly because if you don't do it quickly and if you don't do it efficiently enough, the OS will just terminate the application. Wow. Yes, and um, there is an API called will terminate and you have to, or you, you as a developer can implement that uh, function and within that function, you can you can just I don't know persist your current state of the right. application, and then up on loading it again when the user starts the application again or the app again, you can just load uh, the previous application state from your local database or remote service. Yeah. How much of this is handled by MonoTouch for you? Are you just implementing it. You're just trapping that event when it fires up, and then you you go in there. Exactly. Yeah. So it's. It's a method on on a class you just have to implement, and that's it. All right. Well, it's not that bad, and it, it, it is a cool feature, actually, because it means that when you switch away from an app, it frees up as much memory as possible. Yeah. I'm starting to not loathe the way the iPhone's doing things here, that it actually is doing its best to stay alive and to use its resources efficiently. Yeah. Yep. And, and to ensure that the user will always be able to use the phone as a phone. Right. Which is, I think something, some of the main reasons why, uh, people think that the Windows Mobile phone, the, the, the not Windows Series 7 phone, but the, the previous Windows Mobile up to 6.5, 6, uh, was sometimes rather unresponsive because, as I said, if you have an application which doesn't, that doesn't act, uh, in a nice way, well, it can totally block your phone. Right. Is, uh, dealing with that in MonoTouch better than dealing with it in, uh, easier? Maybe then dealing no, with it in in the native. But it's it's exactly the same. You've got a you you get one method which you have to implement, and the OS will call this method before it before the or, uh, when the user wants to switch from your application to another application. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, you know, I found the the emulators in Studio for various Windows mobile phones to be problematic like you really needed to test against the phone pretty quickly because you weren't getting really what the phone was going to act like in the simulator is the iphone simulator better oh, it might be even worse because <laughs> you know <laughs> you know why because uh on because the iphone is really really picky about this whole the idea of if the application doesn't doesn't cooperate nicely we will kill it and you don't see this on the emulator. The emulator is, is not resource constrained, not in time, not in memory. So it's, you will never see these kinds of, of issues. So basically you could write an application which runs perfectly in the emulator and which runs for a second on the, on the real phone before the yeah. OS kills the application. Yeah. So, um, by the way, officially it's the iPhone simulator, I was told. So oh, yeah. it's not an emulator, <laughs> it's a simulator. So let's, Let's try to call it officially the iPhone simulator. And I can only add to what Ingo already said. Uh, in order to start developing and in order to start to to get an idea how your application may look like, for example, and may behave, it's okay to just test in the simulator. But once you start adding features that 
are actually leveraging um, platform and hardware features of the iPhone, like gestures or like uh, screen rotation or like push notifications and stuff like that, you actually have to move over to the actual device very quickly. Yeah, it it, it sounds like if if it was my gig, I would have every developer with an iPhone attached to their machine so that they could be immediately testing. Yeah, actually, it, sh- it could or should be several iPhones because it it really matters or there is a difference whether you are on a 3G or on a 3GS because on th- on a 3GS you still have um, other options um, with a camera and yeah, so they are essentially two different devices and then maybe you also still have to support the the 2G so the second generation iPhone oh and in, in just a month or two you'll have to support the iPad as well right yes and you, and you think the programming model for the iPad is basically going to be the same as the iPhone exactly yeah. yeah so just yesterday I downloaded uh, the SDK which is still under NDA so I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about it in much uh, depth but, um, yes, essentially, the API is exactly the same as for the iPhone, plus uh, the few new features that the iPad actually supports. Right. And the nice thing is, the Monotouch guys are already working on a Monotouch and Monodevelop version for the iPad, right? Wow. So if you are really, really deep into the Monotouch community, you can go to their website, or if you already own Monotouch and Monodevelop, you just go to the help menu in Monodevelop, you just say check for updates, and you choose the beta or alpha channel, and then you get uh, the most recent um, release of Monotouch that supports uh, the iPhone and the iPad. Wow, that's amazing. So they're, they're, they're right on top of it there. Miguel, yeah. Miguel's yeah. knocking it out as usual. Uh, I want to jump in a little bit on this .NET framework side of things. So have you essentially built a WCF endpoint for the iPhone? No, no, no. Um, what we have been building is actually just a client application for existing WCF services, right? So okay. in integrating the, the new cool iPhone device with a new cool iPhone app into an existing services-based application landscape. All right. So that's the, the basic theme. Um, of course, you can also try to, to host if you like a a service a an HTTP endpoint on the device and actually that has been done and is um, doable but usually we are doing it the other way around so consuming data from the iPhone on the iPhone from remote services right so I mean the point being that the iPhone is just one of many clients in this application exactly yes exactly so um, we usually tend if we have in mind and if our customer knows that he has to deal with a with a with a number of client platforms like I don't know Winforms, WPF, Silverlight, Java, uh, Mobile, Windows Mobile, and uh, the iPhone, they usually encapsulate a bunch of their logic and um, data behind services and then just um, build quite thin and and dumb clients, if you like, in order to access the data and the okay. services. Yeah, it makes sense. The, and the, so how much work did you have to do on the server side to make the iPhone a full client? Is there any, like, I have to check to see, oh, this is the iPhone client, do this differently? So that's an interesting question. Um, let me play back. What do you think? How much work did I have to do? I, I don't know, because WCF, it can be so complicated, like just constructing <laughs> yeah, the packets yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. then we <laughs> just parse the XML. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I've been doing it for like 15 years. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so to to answer your question, nothing. I did not have to change any single bit. Okay. So there's, because, there's no well, if iPhone code on the servers right. at all. No. Yes, exactly. Well, I have, but that's a different story. That iPhone-specific uh, code on the server is for for implementing push notifications. But that's oh, sure, a yeah. totally different story. In order just to be able from the iPhone to access a WCF service and to get data and to post data there, I did not have to change a single bit uh, on the server-side code. That's, that's pretty impressive. And it, and it really gives a sort of light to the idea that 
we are able to just add the iPhone as part of our repertoire for an existing application using WCF. Yeah, but still, still, and I have to stress on that point, uh, it really, really depends on how you have designed and built your WCF services. Because if you fall into the trap of, oh, WCF can do everything, and you try to use everything from WCF, WCF really, really, really gets complicated and really gets into your way, right? So usually we try... We try to keep up with the KISS principle, so keep it simple and stupid, right? And, <laughs> and if you if you write the KISS wave, and if you write the KISS wave together with WCF, and you maybe um, provide a kind of a lightweight facade, a restish, a restish facade, forget and, and, and delete and put and post stuff like that, then connecting the iPhone by the way, also connecting Silverlight and also connecting yeah. Windows Mobile clients is very, very, very easy. And then combining that together with SSL and a username password-based authentication approach, well, you actually can cover a lot of scenarios with that. Have you guys heard of REM objects? Yep. I have heard of them, but I have not been playing around with them. I guess in, uh, it's like a $400 package for doing... Um this kind of stuff, but they just, in October last year, they added SOAP support for it. But no, sorry, I no comment. did not play around with it, so no comment from my side. It looks like they have an SDK for OSX and .NET, too. Okay. For like $800, but I, you know, I don't know anything about them. I just saw a link in a discussion online and thought I'd mention it. Yeah. So, essentially... The problem is with .NET Rocks and that I cannot show code, right? So I have to talk about code and explain code. So essentially, the essence of the code on the iPhone with the C-sharp and monotouch to call my WCF service is something like five lines of code. Because mm. it's either an HTTP web request or a web client object, and then getting data from a URL, which gets back either XML or JSON, Mm-hmm. And then I have a JSON formatter or uh, a data contract um, serializer or a JSON serializer and deserializer right in my hands in um, Monotouch. And I can just pass it over the stream with the JSON and the XML. And voila, I have my strongly typed object I can work with. That's pretty cool, actually. It's, it's, it's voodoo, really. Hey, have you guys had any sense that uh, Monotouch might be implemented for Android as well? Yes, yes. So um, I'm actually hanging out with the Monotouch and the Mono guys quite a lot in the virtual space, in the forums and other uh, community channels. And I talked to to Chof Norton, one of the master brains and master hacking brains, and also to Miguel a lot. And they are currently working on Monodroid, wow. which is more or less the Android version of Monotouch. Wow, indeed. That opens interesting possibilities. That suddenly, you know, .NET developers might be the best position to support three different platforms. Because, of course, now we've had the WinPhone announcement, too, uh, Series 7 phone. So we're in an interesting place all of a sudden. Oh, absolutely, yeah. There will be areas uh, inside of a Monotouch-based application and inside of a Monodroid-based application where you can share code. But then, of course... There will be totally different, I don't know, uh, UI and presentation approaches in either platform. So you have to have your very explicit code for one of these platforms. But I think it's a very, very nice approach. Yeah, well, just like you you have to, in the end, still deal with Coco, Coco Touch, and, yeah. and Xcode and so forth. You're never going to get away from the fact that that's going to be different on the Android. And it's going to be different again in Series 7. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the real thing would be funny is to see how much in common developing against Android and iPhone would be, oh, yeah. and Series 7 will probably be totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and of I course the they same, are. The same is even true for, for uh, Windows 7 phones, because the, um, let's say, if you look at Civilite, the, 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 the whole idea of Civilite that you interact with everything which is outside of your process in a purely asynchronous way totally changes the way how you, you structure your applications. Now, if you want to, I don't know how the, the Android, how Android thinks about, uh, uh, things like this. If they, 
if they also follow the same paradigm to say we need to be 100% asynchronous for every interaction with the outside world, right. or if they say, well, you, you can also go the, the, the synchronous way like regular Windows applications would. And if, if it would be synchronous on Android, but asynchronous on Silverlight, of course, then there would be, so a problem. The, the, yeah, there would be a problem because you, you couldn't share any, any large pieces of your code base because it would be fundamentally different. Well, yeah, let's talk about the Windows Phone. What do, what do you know? What can you say? How does that look? <laughs> so officially, of course, we know nothing. I just, I just, well, I can only speak for myself. I don't know, I don't know anything. Well, what, In, uh, what, what don't you know? <laughs> what, what I don't know is... So the interesting thing, of course, is that, is that we are recording this pre-mix. <laughs> right. So uh, whatever we know today might not be what uh, is announced at, or has been announced at Mix. So, so you do admit you don't know something. Right. So, so let's just say that the, the current rumors are, and these are rumors taken right from the Internet, so there's nothing which we heard from Microsoft telling us about these rumors, <laughs> is that the, the main development environment will be uh, Silverlight. And, of course, this is a, this is a, a, a pretty good choice because uh, I think, especially if you look at Silverlight 4, as it's been announced at last PDC, that this is uh, actually a really cool environment for, also for, for a lot of business applications. Just because it simplifies deployment, you get features just like or in a very comparable way to a WPF application, uh, but it can also run in the browser. And now it can also run on the, on the Windows 7 phone. Yeah, it's, it's very compelling. I mean, of course, the ultimate here would be to get Silverlight onto Android and, and iPhone, too. But you I know think what? I'm dreaming. You oh, know yeah, what? That's, that's a dream. What? The Mono guys are working on that. Right, right. Moonlight. Oh, that's right. They are working on bringing Silverlight to the iPhone by having a special version of Moonlight. That's ah, so cool. I'm not kidding. A, a, a not version kidding. Which, does, which would uh, statically compile the application. Right. Uh-huh. Of course. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? Now, we're, I mean, we're getting close to this idea of a common code base, maybe three different compilations. Do you think Microsoft's um, uh, getting a little bit more warm fuzzies toward the Mono Project since it's sort of expanding the reach of uh, of .NET? Oh yeah, I think they absolutely are. I think I uh, didn't didn't normally even receive funding from Microsoft for some of their Linux porting of of Moonlight. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I, oh, neat time I, but I think I did, there were some uh, some uh, news reports about this. I know and, that and depending on who you talk to at Microsoft, uh, well, in the older days, anyway, there were mixed feelings. And uh, I, and I I just see as Richard said, you know, Visual Studio is becoming a a, a platform for developing in a in a wide variety of way uh, languages and platforms, and .NET is becoming. Um, a platform that's moving around a lot and and getting traction outside of Windows. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, Microsoft actually they wanted to do this right from the start hmm. because they well, this was the reason why they submitted it to to ECMA in the first place. Yeah, just because well, yeah, we want to standardize this. So now it would be very hard for Microsoft to actually take the next step to say, well, yeah, we did want to standardize this, but actually we don't really like you implementing this on Linux. Yeah. This this wouldn't sound too great. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I think it has been an interesting dynamic back and forth. Uh, and Miguel, yeah. of course, is and we should really have him back because he's so compelling. This, this is a guy who's really I feel like he's always trying to do good by developers. Yeah, <laughs> one way or the other, in, in in spite of everything. Yeah. So so guys, yeah. have we missed anything uh, that people need to know about developing a monotouch? Is there some particular places they should be looking when they get started? Yeah, so um, I think the Monotouch website at monotouch.net is quite a good start. Uh, there are a lot of uh, API documentations up there, and there are a lot of um, more um, low-level and in-depth documentation about how the whole thing works with a with a compiler, with the ahead-of-time compiler, with a linker, and all and all this toolchain that is necessary in order to be able to to run .NET code on the iPhone. And there are also a bunch of tutorials and uh, and samples up there. Then there is a website called, I think it's monotouch.info, which is kind of an aggregator that aggregates all of the available um, blogs and community sites 
that are dealing with monotouch. So these two sites should be a very good starting point. And and to be clear here, Novell sells monotouch, right? This yeah. is a product you have to buy. Exactly. So yeah, in order to uh, to develop and to deploy your application built with monotouch, you have to have a license. So are we? Um, are you advocating one method over the other? Are we saying stick to REST, use monotouch, you'll be happy? For .NET developers, anyway. So, if you really want to develop applications on the iPhone with C Sharp, obviously your only choice is Monotouch. And if you have to integrate with um, remote services and remote data, then I think the REST-based approach is much easier. Yeah. Of yeah. course, there are some problems and there are some some glimpses when it comes to some more advanced security um, techniques, but. These are solvable, and partly we at ThinkTecture already solved them. Um, but usually having a REST-based interface uh, and a REST-based uh, facade into your services is much easier to consume from uh, the iPhone and other mobile platforms as well. Excellent. I, I think it also de- depends on uh, where you see your application. Uh, there are some companies out there who create applications from the starting point that is say, we want to create uh, an iPhone application. And yes, there might be a service behind the application, but actually the first thing we do is we think of this application as being something for the, for the iPhone. In this case, it might make sense to go the Xcode way, simply because it gives you access to, to all of the APIs. You're not limited in any way. It's the official thing from, from Apple, um, and and yes, it is harder. But if you if you look at, around in the iPhone community, and if you look for an iPhone developer today, if you want to hire one, it's very likely that this is an Xcode developer. Mm-hmm. However, if you if you have if you are a C sharp shop, if you have a service based application, let's say an application which has a front end in written in JavaScript using jQuery, another one written uh, using Silverlight, another one which is just an ASP.NET web application and you have services behind this application, and now you want to extend to add a fourth client to your, to, to your library of clients, and then, yes, C-sharp uh, in, in Monotouch might be the better choice, just because that's your natural habitat. That's where you live. That's what you know. Right. Well, guys, this has been a very enlightening hour. Thanks very much for sharing. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Okay, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got